cryptocurrencies, gaming, and leveraging failure to help us define who we are. Behind the podcast of episode EF12. I'm Scott Ely. Welcome to episode EF35 of the Evolve Faster podcast. Quick spoiler alert, you're about to listen to a behind the podcast looking back at episode EF11, titled Wired to Fail, Leveling Up in the Game of Life. The driving question of this episode and this behind the podcast for you to think through is what defines us? So I'm going to read a paragraph from the website that just will refresh your memory on what this episode was about. Infuriated by the risk-averse approach of his company, Vihan Raid decides to design his latest game on his own. A widely renowned game developer known to the gaming world as Koji believes he can entirely change how humans see life with his radical new video game concept. He teams up with a respected psychologist to make sure his vision will manipulate the human psyche as he suspects. As Koji slowly reveals his secretive details of his mysterious concept, Isaac becomes more and more suspicious of the game's true intentions. So it's common to say that our actions define us. But is that really it? Or can we go deeper with the topic? When discussing what defines us, we're often thinking about the long-term influence on our identity and character. And going through life, I can't escape the feeling that all the successes I had aren't nearly what defines me as much as my failures, at least in a positive manner. Sure, bad stuff probably made me more bitter in some ways, but it seems we're shaped more by failing at a test than successfully passing it. So is it like that for humanity in general? Does failure make us better people while success turns us into that annoying person that nobody likes? And if so, why is it like that? What's in the survival code that makes us tick this way? Does failure humble us and make us more realistic while success convinces us we're on top of the world until the day comes when we face plant the rock bottom? When it comes to the episode, the challenge of this particular episode for me, and I think I mentioned this earlier, was releasing more control to Antonio to delve into a topical area that I was less familiar with, which is gaming. It's not that I don't trust Antonio, he's a relatively trustable guy, but I feared to lose the natural flow of our normal process. And moreover, in an episode revolved around something that I'm honestly just not really interested in. The first story version didn't work. And again, we had to redo everything from scratch. So that's when Antonio proposed a story revolving around gaming. So this episode relied more on Antonio than the previous ones. And more specifically, it relied on his gaming knowledge. So I liked his concept, but I didn't know if I'd be able to make it my own because of my lack of interest in the area. Every other episode was mostly my idea, and for sure the show's concept and individual episode themes are part of this master plan I've been describing. So to have him create the concept for this one meant I'd have to manipulate it to kind of fit this other puzzle that I was building and to fit my vision for the, for the show, and also to trust that I could find a way to make it my own in the end in a topical area that I, I really didn't have interest in. So with every episode, every problem and big question I'm trying to tackle has to connect intimately to the episode's topic. So with this issue, I started thinking about what defines me. Gaming is an example of something that I have little experience with, especially the current forms of gaming. So there was risk that it could easily fail, of course, but how could I talk about failure 
if I was scared of failing myself. That's what the episode was ultimately about. So it did make me uncomfortable, but I decided I should go with the flow and take that risk. And it was kind of an embodiment of what the episode was about to, to do that kind of risk. So I gave Antonio the reins for the core of the episode plot, accepting that I'd be able to find a way to get comfortable with the topic over time or find a way to rewrite it and insert a plot line that made sense to me or failing all that, kill it and start over in the risk that Antonio would want to kill me for causing a second rewrite of this one. But as it happens with most of the episodes, the first few drafts provide a solid foundation and they often lack that certain something that elevates it to, you know, the quality of what we want the podcast to be. As always, we were stuck. Antonio presented a, a solid first draft, but it wasn't up to the quality of the rest of the season. So I started feeling the risk was kind of biting us on the ass already. So luckily there was a big missing link in his script that I stumbled on accidentally that was kind of a serendipitous linkage. So even Antonio knew it was lacking, so I wasn't worried about pissing him off about that. And at the same time I stumbled on it accidentally, I kind of found this perfect solution to fill the, fill the gap. It was one of those moments when you feel like everything's working perfectly and you realize that if you didn't take the risk, the experience wouldn't be nearly as rewarding. Before I describe what happened there, let me answer some questions that were raised about the creation of the episode itself, which should fill in some of the gaps. We're going to cover these questions, which you can always submit to evolvefaster.com forward slash discuss. Why this question and what defines us? Who is Koji modeled after? You go back to explaining the mule is the patient Koji and Isaac are discussing, Lisa from episode EF8. Is this an actual game? Could cryptocurrencies be used in a game like this? What is Koji's real 10% answer if he lied the first time? And where is the old man fable from? So why this question, what defines us? One of the things you'd likely define yourself by is what you've made of yourself in your mind. Upon deep reflection of our life, I think most of us would find that it's the creations we make in life and that are the hardest to achieve and the skills we work hardest and longest at attaining mean the most to us. You might include relationships in that as well, as those human connections are usually our core creations, which can also be harder to achieve. To me, all these creations are those big successes we will always cherish and remember. But let's look at it like this. What do we remember more? The moment we had a minor success or the time when we had a minor failure that for some reason stung like a wasp bite? This is especially important for our job, what we do in life. For example, many people want to be, say, a musician or an actor. And while it's true that not everybody can be one of those professions, it's also true that not many people try because the fear of failure results in a lot of talents going to waste or never being discovered. Although a person A might have specific talents or gifts, is the person defined by the abilities and potential possibilities or by the, the taken actions to utilize talents. So asking what defines us is an attempt to scratch the surface of capabilities we might not be aware we even have. If for every one of us there was a life summary written when we die, how many of us would want the summary to mention all the wasted possibilities? Like, uh, Scott could have done better. You know, that's not something you want on your epitaph. It seems to define ourselves Is it? true your hero's journey. So, I mean, wouldn't you say it's up to us to create meaning in life? If we know what's important to us, why aren't we mastering it? 
If we don't know what we want to master, why aren't we spending every available minute trying to figure that out? Question is also the reason why making clear what and who defines us is important for our development as individuals. We are defined by what we are and what we do, but the ability to take the next step where we are free to define our deeds without prejudice is what finishes the cycle. There's a specific reason why the word free is used. Freedom might be something we automatically long to, to have, but many of us don't actually understand the concept of it. And by this, how many of us truly want to be free? Who is Koji modeled after? Well, this specific question would be better asked of Antonio since the character development of Koji was his idea. But no worries, I learned a little about gaming while creating this, so I'll just try to answer as if I'm him. Um, after failing with the previous story, we had to completely create a new protagonist. So before Koji, the protagonist was actually Paul from episode EF6. Back then, it seemed logical to continue Paul's story after he managed to sort of understand what wisdom was at the end of that episode. It didn't feel right to wrap everything up within everyone lived happily ever after type of ending. Luckily, the second Paul story was completely bland and totally uninteresting. It had to be killed anyway. So that story basically revolved around Paul riding in a plane and talking to a psychologist that happened to be sitting next to him. It was super boring, and I don't know how many people would have enjoyed listening to a 40-minute airplane dialogue, especially if they themselves were on a plane. The Paul story was scrapped pretty quickly. We both realized it was terrible, and Koji entered the ring to see if he had survived. So in one of our brainstorming conversations, Antonio had told me the story about a highly influential game developer who got kicked out of the company he made famous. And instead of accepting this failure, the guy went out and started working on his own big project. And if I remember correctly, that, that game is not even out yet. But we thought, hey, this, is a, this guy is a great model for a person who knows who he is and what he's capable of. And since failure as a means of identifying what defines you was core of the episode's theme, it fit. Of course, later we added some personality traits unique to our character, Koji, but I'd say initially, his actions are directly influenced by that specific game developer. I mean, it's not hard to figure out the inspiration if you simply check the episode's dedication. It was originally going to be a light Easter egg, but we decided to acknowledge him properly by dedicating the episode to him. But the thing I like most about Koji is that he became one of our first real anti-heroes. I, I guess Paul sort of entered the anti-hero zone though none of his actions you could describe as potentially harmful for anyone but himself. And I guess actually Cynthia from EF11 could definitely be considered an anti-hero too. All right, I guess he wasn't the first, but he was one of them. Anyway, with Koji, you know, he, he wasn't a bad guy, but still there's a lot of room for doubt if his actions are rightful or not. So I loved having a character whose action could go either way to both destroy or save the world his actions aren't inherently good or bad. And by creating this, I felt we had our perfect character for the topic of what defines us. You go back to explaining the mule. Is the patient that Koji and Isaac are discussing, Lisa from episode EF8. So it was tempting to end the mule story with Lisa and Elliot, especially since it had already spanned three episodes. But I thought, why not? Let's leave this last piece for another episode for anyone who's really, really listening and paying attention. Changing this story became a perfect opportunity for that by using Isaac for episode EF8 here. 
So this episode happens quite some time after episode EF8. Isaac has quit his job, and for mysterious reasons, it's explained here. Let me say that it's it's fascinating sometimes how pieces fall in perfect place by themselves. We didn't plan this episode EF12 at the time we were finishing episode EF8, but we did have Isaac mysteriously disappearing and not really explaining why. So in EF12, Isaac was perfect to finalize the mule story. I cherish these moments in the in the brainstorming. They're kind of these tiny and barely noticeable to the listener, but without them, the job would be significantly harder and less interesting. To go back to the mule, not revealing everything was a simple way for me to have some fun. Honestly, it, it was it was about teasing listeners who found interest in the podcast. Yes, Isaac and Koji are discussing Lisa from EF8 and her luck that she had with the mule, confirming in the end that her change for the better was all her and had nothing to do with the drug, which for her was a fluke. Here, Isaac hesitantly opens up, explains the horrible truth behind the mule, and connects back to Arting from episode EF7. Again, this this episode EF12 is independent, and we explain all these things enough in the episode so that it can stand alone. But if you know who these characters are, it makes it a little richer. If you don't recall Arting, he's a sort of jackass of a politician from a previous episode on the topic, Can We Trust Reason? So in another piece of small trivia, I remember a problem we had here, and that was making Isaac appearing as a bad guy. From the start, we imagined him to be a good guy. And even before that, um, the mule wasn't a drug created by some money-hungry corporation. It was just a strange drug. So when we created the ominous story about the mule, that made Isaac automatically appear evil as well. Here again, him quitting the job came in handy as we were able to use that to give Isaac valid reasons for why he quit because he is a good guy. The last connection is in the chip's origin. It's not a critical link, but I felt like having it made the story stronger overall. As an influential person, Koji gets his hands on a chip from a familiar source since the, the chip is mentioned in a previous episode. And it made a really good Easter egg, which ended up having this episode probably connected to more episodes than any other. Is this an actual game? Could cryptocurrencies be used for a game like this besides the implant part? So let me say that we started out, you know, as simple as the likes of Super Mario. And that's how far we moved forward with this gaming brainstorm. So no, it's not an actual game, but I remember how excited we were when we finally came up with the game concept. Um, I like that we didn't focus too much on the game itself, but on the consequences of playing the game, because that's what the episode is about, is this is the psychological part of failure. So it doesn't really matter how simple the game is, it could be, you know, Space Invaders. So the first version was a half-baked game where we were kind of desperate to come up with something that we could connect to the topic. And I honestly don't even remember what it was. It was, you know, uninteresting. But as to if this game is possible, I hope not. And keep in mind that Koji didn't make that game part real. Basically, he was bluffing. He believes that one person can't help other people to define themselves. Every person has to do it on their own. So as Koji says in the episode, when talking about video games, video games aren't about handing the controller to someone else. Video games are about challenging yourself to try and beat it. And what he didn't say was to leverage the failures towards defining yourself. 
So this is another part of the episode I really like, as it did make me wonder about Koji. Is he really doing this for altruistic reasons or just to exploit the world? By the end of the episode, the story clears up, but just enough to have an ending, not to the extent to put Koji's real motivation on the table. No one knows for sure what Koji really thinks, and there are many open-ended, unresolved things here that I'm sure piss off people who love everything to be tied up with a bow. <laughs> What's Koji's real 10% answer if he lied the first time? Just to connect what I just talked about with Koji here, at a point in the episode, Isaac says that Koji lied about his 10%. Koji says his 10% is his mindset that he would never give up and push no matter what the obstacles. And since he's supposedly creating this game to help people understand the same thing, naturally Isaac starts to doubt him. And just to remind you, the, the question was, if your mind was to be erased and you could only keep 10% of it, what, what would you keep? And Koji gives an answer that Isaac doubts. But both us, the listeners, and Isaac are observing Koji from the same standpoint. Isaac doesn't know about Koji anything more than the person listening to the episode does. So if Koji was telling the truth is another mystery towards if Koji is actually a good guy or not. I mean, by the end, we can decide if Koji's what his true intentions are, but it's also clear that his actions did hurt people, possibly even kill people if some of the rumors in the episode are true. So no matter how we turn it, there are arguments for Koji being both good and evil. But for the topic's sake, it doesn't actually matter what Koji is. What matters is Koji truly knows what defines him and what he really is. So he honestly doesn't care what people think about him. And this was just something that he had to do no matter what the cost. Helping one group of people by hurting another group of people. But what if the cost is bigger than the reward? So wouldn't you say that's the most often question we ask ourselves, which directly ties to the risk factor? But how often do we ask ourselves, what's the risk of not succeeding in the long run if we don't take the risk? Are people who move forward, no matter no matter the obstacles or cost, more defined as characters? It could be because they gain more life experience. They probably have more scars, more failures, but also more life experience to go around with. You might even say more earned wisdom. Where is the old man fable from? In the end, Koji tells the fable his mother used to tell him about the old man. So that fable has been around since the beginning of this episode, even in the previous story, the boring one of Paul on the plane. Uh, Antonio heard or read it somewhere and thought it'd be a good idea to include it. And then, then I liked it as well. So by the time we wrapped this story up, we almost cut it out. We were tempted by the idea that we needed to use it, but sometimes you have something great, no logical place to put it. And if you do this, it can harm the product no matter how good that part is, because it can feel tacked on. It had been removed, and we had trouble fitting it into the overall story. In the previous story, I think a bartender tells it to Paul, which it kind of worked in, in that story. But here, we didn't have a character suited to something casual like that. But it wasn't until we had Koji write the big letter, which was kind of my final rewrite thing. Antonio had Koji's speech, and then I changed how that happened to be in this big letter. And at that point, we realized that because he was kind of on a soapbox, he could say whatever he wanted. And because this fable kind of like really was a core value linked to what he was trying to say, it fit in that sort of soapbox context. So that's how it got put back in. That was where we decided it could work. And in the end, I'm glad we, we put it back in 
because it's a clever little fable and it, it kind of brings the overall topic back home in a simple way. The story might you know, remain unresolved, but I think we managed to round up the, the topic well and, and cover what we were trying to accomplish. So I think those questions cover the essence of what was submitted and what I think is important to, to uh, put on the table about this episode. So next week, I'll launch one that will have more Ask Me Anything questions related to this episode. You could submit questions at evolvefaster.com forward slash discuss. So to wrap up this episode and look back at the how I started it relating to the event that made me uncomfortable with this episode. Fixing that problem that I described all kind of happened by accident. I just happened to be selling off some cryptocurrency, some Bitcoin and a couple other cryptos. This was around the time when the price just completely way oversurged. And I think Bitcoin shot up to 20,000. It was absurdly overpriced. And I'd just been a, a casual for fun investor and cryptos for a long time. I mean, I had single, you know, I'm double, double digit Bitcoin that I'd bought, just dabbled with for a long time. So when it surged so ridiculously, I, I sold off a bunch. And as Antonio was describing the weakness of his plot, it just made sense to me that we could use crypto. Like as I'd had in my mind that we could use crypto or the blockchain into one of the, into one of the episodes that had more of a technology theme. And I realized we could combine what he had come up with with this game idea with crypto because it was such a hot topic at the time. And we could sync those two together, not only make the story better and fill this missing link that both Antonio and I knew was there, but we could also make the episode unique and bring it into something that I was more interested in. So then in the rewrite that I did, just kind of got more and more sinister with introducing the chip and all those kind of creepy things. And then and then the ending I, I really hadn't planned for at all. I didn't intend to write the ending the way it ended up, but as I was doing my final rewrite, rewrite, to me, it just didn't feel like the ending was in the courtroom for this, you know, kind of almost flamboyant Robin Hood character. So I had to go with my hunch and I, I got the idea on a Saturday morning when I was thinking about what would the team who had been prosecuting a big case like this, what would they do the morning after their victory? And that was when it hit me about how I wanted to end it. So I think Antonio liked it as well. I don't think he was happy with ending it just with the with the letter. It was kind of cool, but I think this it wrapped it up and then opened up new open-ended. So I also remember how excited we were when we started tinkering with the idea that the coin mining wasn't done by a computer or CPU, but by the brain. That's when the chip got introduced. It was all so sinister and at the same time kind of funny. So, you know, the CPU is the computer's brain more or less, and so why not use a human brain? And that kind of brought the the human psychology aspect of it in as well, of if you were tapped directly into the brain, maybe you could actually leverage that. Just imagining people around the world using their brain as the power generator for a cryptocurrency game sounds like a completely over-the-top dystopian future and it's it's kind of fantastic at the same time i think antonio said at the time that if orwell was alive today this might be something he'd write hopefully he's not turning over in his grave at our implementation of something that he'd have done if alive so i often talk about how the podcast for me is this constant roller coaster of ups and downs and one thing it certainly taught me and actually is still teaching me is that realizing that failure is a really critical crucial part of life there absolutely isn't the scenario where the podcast comes to a certain quality point without failure. 
I'm certain this is impossible. I'm a classic perfectionist who has always had a hard time calling things good enough to release or, or done. Probably to try to prevent failure and whatever mental downside I, I perceive to come with that. But I've really had to realize that that mentality would just keep me from producing episodes. So even these behind the podcasts, I'm sure they could be better. I'm, I'm sure I say stupid things on them sometimes. And I'm sure that if I had more time, I could make them even better. But, you know, from a previous question, what is perfection? Is there, you know, where do you stop this, this thing? There is no perfect. So I do my best, Antonio does his best, and then we call them done. And failure will just teach me something if one of them or all of them suck. Learning how to fail and taking back the controller of your life is necessary to, to define ourselves as something we can be proud of. If we don't decide how our life will be measured, then someone else will. So in my case, I had to be prepared to fail if going with an idea I wasn't comfortable with, but giving into that didn't make me give up the controller. It just enhanced my potential here. It gave me a chance to, to you know, let, let Antonio really develop an idea that he had and it turned out to be great. It made me recall past situations where I gave up the controller. If uh, I felt the game was too hard and I fell under the pressure. And you know, now that I think about it, there were definitely many missed opportunities. I've taken a lot of risks and luckily many have paid off. So I don't have a lot of regrets in the, I should have done that. Probably have some regrets as I shouldn't have done that, but you know, you can't, ha you can't have one without the other. You know, how many more opportunities are ahead of me? How many op more opportunities are ahead of you to make the same decision? So think about all the potential failures and successes that are ahead of all of us and what happens if we'll take them or what happens if we don't. So there's always time to redefine ourselves, but you know, the clock is always ticking. The sooner we start writing the book of our life instead of having some mysterious ghostwriter do the job for us, the better. So we all have a couple chapters already on the paper, but what's coming in the chapters ahead. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Evolve Faster podcast. It was looking back at episode EF12, and we'll look forward to another episode about this one. Next week, we'll do an Ask Me Anything specifically about the same episode. So I hope you enjoyed this. Take care, and we'll see you next time. The Evolve Faster podcast is written, produced, and performed by Scott Ely. Many episodes are also co-written with the help of Antonio Rosich. It takes an enormous effort to produce all the quality, original content needed for this podcast. Your support would be greatly appreciated, and you can learn about multiple ways to do so by going to evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Here you'll find direct links to review and give the podcast five stars on key platforms like iTunes and share it on social media. These are free to do, but are critical to audience growth. And the only way to find out about new seasons is to register your email, so please do so. You will only receive valuable content and information on upcoming seasons and products. And finally, if you're benefiting from the Evolve Faster podcast, direct financial support at whatever amount you can afford is important for our survival. Running ads on a channel for free-thinking content is an inherent conflict of interest. So if you want the podcast content to remain unhindered 
by commercial interests and stay edgy and raw, then direct support is the best and only path to content independence. Also, writing and production of each episode of the Evolve Faster podcast is a major undertaking spanning many months. It's a labor of love, but it does need your help to survive. So please consider becoming a subscriber at evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Your help and support are greatly appreciated and are what makes this podcast possible. Isn't it time for an upgrade? It's time to evolve faster.